0: Imagine studying an LSAT curriculum designed just for you. This is LSAT Boss. LSAT Boss The Class is an advanced learner-centered curriculum available now on Teachable. It's to be completed at your own pace and processing speed. And it's designed and taught by me, Shauna Ginsberg, the founder of Ginsberg Advanced Tutoring and the host of the LSAT Boss podcast. Our curriculum includes lessons that build towards an advanced understanding of logical reasoning, reading comprehension, and analytical reasoning, homework assignments that require you to master concepts before moving on to the next one, strategies that teach you the economics behind test day decision-making, especially when stuck between two answer choices, and anxiety management techniques that teach you how to regain your mental clarity under timed pressure. I'm bringing you the entire curriculum in a set of 33 interactive videos, a convenient and affordable online format that you can use to study anywhere. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at ginsburg-advanced-tutoring.teachable.com. That's ginsburg-advanced-tutoring.teachable.com. Hi, welcome to LSAT Boss. I'm your host, Shauna Ginsburg. Today's episode is our first content-driven episode. We are going to be talking about identifying the conclusions. And if you can hear in the background, my dog is barking. She is so excited to be with us today, probably because we have our first guest with us. Uh, We work with a lot of non-traditional students, students who maybe stop undergrad, pick it up again, older students in their 30s who maybe had learning challenges or psychological challenges growing up, but, you know, as products of the 80s, we didn't necessarily diagnose those things as causing functional limitations with academic or educational issues. So our guest today has kind of seen it all and had to deal with it all. And so she's here to kind of share her experience as a non-traditional student and also give us an idea of what it's like to be on the other side of this LSAT journey. So, Ms. Claudia Ryan. Hello. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: There's not a lot of people who finish LSAT and then they're like, hey, Can I still come to the office with you?
1: Well, that's because you're fun to hang out with. Also, who doesn't love continuing to work on the LSAT, even when you're done with it?
0: I think a lot of people, in fact, I I encourage people to not just dump everything in a trash can right away and please, you know, recycle and share it with someone
1: else. All my stuff is in (laughs) a bag to be recycled. I just haven't made it there yet.
0: Well, bring it over here. What I do is I'll circle or cross out every single letter, A through E. And then we can repurpose them for other people.
1: That's fair. It's got all of my notes all over them. Some tear stains, too. I can understand that. But, you know,
0: you, you don't get anywhere without a lot of hard work, right? That's true. And, and it's not that
1: I made you cry. No, you allowed me to cry openly when I needed to cry, which was very good. Not many people are good at doing that. Well, thank you. And I... then you made me stop crying because I was laughing. So that's even better. There you go. This is not a, a product placement
0: for Kleenex or anything like that, but we do have tissues in the office.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I made their stock prices go up with how many Kleenex boxes Shauna had to buy, so
0: there's that. And uh, let's not forget, on the side of the tissues, there's always yeah,
1: a hot cup of usually Moroccan mint tea. Yes, that's the best part. And the cookies. And the cookies. The cookies. Sometimes brownies, usually cookies. Still dream about the cookies.
0: Yeah. For those of you that don't know, I make a lot of brown butter cookies, and so students that meet in person with me always get to, you know, sample, give me their review, let me know how I'm doing so that I can keep improving.
1: She's usually fine. Sometimes they could use a little more chocolate. but I, I get it. I get it. I apologize. You should, but it's okay. I forgive.
0: Hey, can we give a little shout-out to who made your mug there that you're, you're sipping your Moroccan mint tea out of right now?
1: It is... Tangled Cat Henna. And it is actually a really amazing mug. And I just found her website, and all of it is super cool. So Claudia really is holding this
0: mug, and it is all hennaed out. And what's so cool about it is that when you hold it, it's got all these little... you it's know, very tactile. Yeah, it's got this paint, and it's like these little bubbles that make up the design. But when you hold it, it's just so relaxing. Yes,
1: and if you're I, fidgety, you can... Digit, it's really helpful
0: yeah so we like to think about these things to reduce our anxiety and get nice and calm because everything else is really hard Else said it's very hard so we like Life to make everything hard. else <laughs> we like to make everything it's else really hard. easy um so before we get started those of you that are listening when this airs you'll be listening to it uh on halloween And when Claudia came to record this episode with me today, the first thing that she did was she pulled up her phone and she goes, I have to show you a picture of William's Halloween
1: costume. Yes. William is my son. And we just finished reading The Wizard of Oz. And I was saying that I did not realize quite how much beheading took place in the book, but there's a lot. And uh, after we finished, he said that he would be the Tin Man, but I had to be Dorothy. So... Bought a ton of cardboard and spray paint and made him a Tin Man costume. And it's pretty brilliant. I'm an artist, I think. he kind a giant axe. Is that for all the beheadings that he watched? <laughs> you know, I think as a little boy, the only part of the costume he actually cared about was the axe.
0: <laughs> um, so, let's go ahead and get started. Okay. I'm so glad you're with us. Me too. Today, we're going to be going over how to identify a conclusion. There's a four-part strategy that I want to teach you. There is a really difficult but really common conclusion structure that I want to teach you about that I call the Oreo cookie conclusion. And then we're... I'm hungry. (laughs) Good thing you brought these almond croissants today. That's true. We'll take a break. We'll eat some of those. Perfect. Don't worry. But at the end of today, we're going to make claudia do a conclusion question and it's about halloween and it's about candy and we love it so we'll finish up today with that there are sound effects screams of anguish somewhere over there no this is a podcast so we're not in a studio we're in a closet that makes sense there's no engineers behind here we can't do anything about that but you know if anybody is an engineer and knows how to make those cool sounds i'll bring my
1: own sound effects next time that's a great idea There's going to be lots of screaming, I think.
0: (laughs) So we're going to end with a conclusion question. We'll give some homework, and then we'll pick up next episode, delving deeper into these conclusions. All right, so let's talk about conclusions. Claudia... favorite things in the world, conclusions. You remember the very first lessons when I taught you that.
1: Vaguely. There was a lot of wide-eyed, I think, staring.
0: (laughs) So by definition, a conclusion is a statement that necessarily follows from stated and unstated premises.
1: So it's the whole reason, the whole point of whatever it is you're talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not only is it the, the whole point, it necessarily follows. And that's really critical because a lot of people throw around this idea of a sufficient and necessary, which we've talked about before as being really part and parcel of conditional or causal arguments. But when we say that a conclusion necessarily follows, we mean it has to. You can't go anywhere else. You get these premises, right? These facts that have to be accepted as true. You're that... at a dead end and you have reached the conclusion. I like that. Yeah, it's a dead end. It's not like a fork in the road and you got to take it, as Yogi Berra says. You only have one option. And what's so great about that is that Claudia and I can be sitting down looking at the same set of statements, right? And the same evidence that supports those statements,
1: depending on whether or not I've taken my ADD medication, yes,
0: we could. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But if you were super focused, right? And yes. even if you were unfocused, we can still come back to this very strategic, logical statement, which is that if a conclusion necessarily follows from the premises, then a bad answer choice or something that isn't the conclusion wouldn't follow from evidence. Exactly. And that's really at the heart of the four-part conclusion strategy. If you ask, why, how do I know this conclusion is true, you'll find evidence to support it that necessarily gets you there. But if you go looking for evidence and you can't find any, you must not have identified the conclusion.
1: It always helped me if I asked, so what, when I thought I'd reached the conclusion and that's how I identified the premise.
0: I like that. I like that. You know, I call it like the why, how do you know test, Mine right? Mine
1: sounds ruder and I like that better. It's,
0: it works, right? <laughs> so, so what? So, but when you say so what, it kind of makes the, I, I guess in your head it makes you say, well, there, there was a reason for it. Let me yes. go back and justify, right? Because yep. you feel attacked by the so what statement. Yes, it's,
1: you got to be <laughs> flippant with yourself and then you can justify everything. I like that. I like that.
0: All right, so um, let's, let's give an example of how we can apply this why, how do you know, or so what test. Perfect. Let's say I said that um, Claudia had to move to Kentucky. Her lease just ran up on her apartment, and her boss said that they were moving the business to Kentucky.
1: Sounds like my nightmare. Um, the conclusion is that I have to move to Kentucky. Well,
0: why? How do you know? Or let me use the the Claudia analysis. Well, so what? What is? What do you mean? I, yeah, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, because my employer is moving my job, and my lease is up on my current apartment, so I got to go somewhere else. I like. Where the, am I going to go?
0: Kentucky. Well, I like. Uh, I like the use of the word and there. It, What I heard you do is identify that there were two reasons, not just one, but two reasons you'd move to Kentucky. In other words, you lose your lease on your apartment. You're not just like, well, Kentucky, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, that I don't think I would ever do that. But yes. On the other hand, if you lost the lease on your apartment, strong motivating factors
1: would encourage me to
0: move to Kentucky. Right. Such as premise number two. Yes. Right. So P1 and P2, premise one and premise two lead to the conclusion. Exactly. And this introduces the idea that when we're looking for a conclusion, we're not just looking for one reason to support it. There can be multiple. You can have two, or you can have one that leads to another that leads to another. Yes. If I say that if I study hard, then I do well on my test, and if I do well on my test, my mother takes me to Disney World, then the premise of... It, if it turns out that I did study hard and it turns out that I did do well on my test, both of those things lead me to... Disney World. Absolutely. But it wasn't like A and B. It wasn't like premise one and premise two. It wasn't studying hard and doing well on my test led me to Disney World. It was that studying hard led me to doing well. Which led to Disney World. And that's a little different. That's yes. in that, that sequence goes A to B to C, not... not
1: a plus B equals C. Awesome.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you're right when you say these things, because otherwise all these people listening would be like, you know, this tutor starts this podcast and we're listening to our students and they they have no idea what they're talking about. That'll happen at some point, I'm certain. Uh, you know what? I'm so not certain that that would happen. And that's why
1: you're probably going to be coming back over and over and over again. That's fair. That's fair. See, this is the motivation I'm talking about. Always a counter to the negativity.
0: Um, let's kind of sum up what we just did here, though. We did this four-part strategy. The first part was when we thought we found the conclusion of the argument, we went, why? Or how do you know? Or in your version, so what? what? Then we go looking for the answer to that question.
1: Yes.
0: Why? Well, because I lost the lease and my business is moving, right? Um... So that's the second part. The third step that you're going to do is go look at the answer choices and eliminate any answer choices that have nothing to do with the conclusion that you just identified. So if you're taking a digital test, you underline or highlight the conclusion, you're then going to go look for that same underlined or highlighted language in the answer choice when you don't see any of it. Not even synonyms or substituted That's the language. That's wrong
1: answer. Get
0: rid of them. Usually three of them will go right away when you do that analysis. That's step three. If you're
1: lucky. If yeah. you're doing things
0: correctly. Right, right. And what's interesting about the ones that are often the wrong answers is that they're often premises. Yeah. Right? So they're like misidentified argument parts. So if you don't find the conclusion accurately and you underline a premise instead, then when you go to step three, you'll looking in the answer choices, you're gonna find your language, but that's the wrong answer if you underlined the premise. Yes,
1: that's right? where the strategy comes mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. Gotta be strategic. Those words are seared into my brain. There you go. So then the fourth step is really when you're
0: down to two, making sure that you finish. Right? Yes. And and in my opinion, that's when the test really picks up. That's when it really tests your ability because most of the people that we start working with, they're down to two and then they guess, which is really another way of saying, when I get down to two, I feel as if I'm being hijacked by my anxiety. I can no longer commit any more time because I've exhausted my time on this question. Let I'm me circle attacked. something. Very <laughs> and that's really get where- I- my head. That's where our hard work starts, right? That's where it starts. It's not yeah. about the easy and the medium questions. Nobody gets credit for the three that they eliminate. Nobody gets credit for being down to two and guessing wrong. Which sucks. It would have made right? my life so much easier. So when we get down to two, we want to do a careful analysis, not only by comparing the the final two answer choices to find differences in them, but also comparing them, each of them, back
1: to the control group, right? Yes. For- with a properly identified conclusion. Matching words and transitions and things like that. All of the important
0: buzzwords. There you go. So we're going to go over a a practice conclusion question, and then we're going to pick back up next time, delving deeper into transitional words and phrases and how to recognize that they're triggering a conclusion. Um, And we're also going to be talking about you know, substitute words, words that can take the place of other words and still carry the same meaning. So, as we get into this, um, this practice question, I, I promise to introduce you to the hardest or the, the most challenging um, conclusion structure, which made you hungry. It was the Oreo cookie conclusion. Yup. The Oreo cookie conclusion essentially is an argument structure that begins with a premise, then it hits with a conclusion. And then it ends with another premise that supports that conclusion. And so the conclusion is the cream filling of the Oreo cookie argument. So it's a premise, conclusion, premise, or P C P structure. A great example. <laughs> I'm
1: glad you Why found that, is so, that funny.
0: so funny. <laughs> I don't know. So when you uh, when you're looking at these. Arguments, what makes them really difficult is that the conclusion is being triggered with often a contrast word like but or however. So here's an example. Although. Uh Uh-huh. That's another one. So Rex Tillerson thought he would be secretary of state for all four years of Donald Trump's presidency. However, he was clearly mistaken. He got fired in Trump's first year. So that was a three-sentence argument, and it's an Oreo cookie argument. I already, since I told you it was, you already know that the middle sentence is the conclusion. Rex however, Tillerson
1: was mistaken about very many things.
0: Well, however, he was clearly mistaken is the conclusion, right? And the he relates back to Rex Tillerson, which we learned about in the first sentence. So algebraically, you can kind of sub in Rex Tillerson for he. Do you know you're a nerd? I'm total nerd and I'm, I love this stuff. So Rex Tillerson was clearly mistaken is the conclusion. You would then go to step three and four of your strategy and do your process of elimination. Okay. Let's take a look at our uh, practice question for Claudia. It's a Halloween question. You want to go ahead and
1: read it off for everybody? Sure. Some kids like to visit houses on Halloween. that give away very large candy bars but most people give away off-brand candy bars, so finding a 6-inch Snickers is extremely rare. Thus, it is very difficult for Mars Candy, Snickers' parent company, to produce 6-inch Snickers bars. Before Halloween, then, it is prudent for people who want to give away 6-inch Snickers bars to purchase them when they're on sale, when they're slightly cheaper and easy to purchase in large quantities. Now, the answer choices are A, It is a good idea for people to purchase 6-inch Snickers bars on sale before Halloween. B. 6-inch Snickers bars are extremely rare. C. Some people like to have 6-inch Snickers bars on Halloween. D. 6-inch Snickers bars are cheaper and easier to purchase in large quantities before Halloween. Or E. It is very difficult to produce 6-inch Snickers bars. So. In looking at this, um, the two words that stick out to me very much are the thus and the then um, transition words. Um, How come? Mostly because you've got them underlined already. But (laughs) also because um, it follows a bunch of information and they're sort of bookends. The transition words emphasize the information that's really important in this Mm -hmm. paragraph, and it's not about Halloween itself or that kids like candy bars or finding Six-Inch Snickers bars. It's what you do with all of that information, which is that it is a good idea for people to purchase Six-Inch Snickers bars on sale before Halloween because finding them is difficult and It's difficult for Mars to produce them. Very good. So the
0: thus and the then were both conclusion transition words. They both said, here's the consequence. Here's the effect that's going to happen. But you had to take it all the way to the end because the then in the last sentence, even though it was kind of stuck in the middle of that sentence there, right, after an introductory phrase... It still led to that final then, which means that's the end of the sequence. It's the end of the road, which you were mentioning earlier in this episode, right? Yes. So the then triggers the conclusion. Yeah. And now you're ready to go into your step three and four and check the answers, Yes, absolutely.
1: So what did you think of answer choice A? That is, in fact, the correct answer. How do you know? Uh, because it's the only answer choice that talks about whether or not it is a good idea for someone to do something. Prudent and good idea are synonyms. And then it, um, in addition to that part, it also mentions the purchasing six and snicker bars on sale before Halloween.
0: So you actually found two things in the answer choice that related back to the conclusion, yes. right? One of them was a synonym. It wasn't the same word. But then the other part that you found actually nearly word for word related back, right? Yeah. And that's a telltale sign that you found the right conclusion.
1: Yay, me, congratulations. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, um, that's it for our practice question. Your homework this evening is to pull out the LSAC prep test volume five, take a look at all the conclusion questions. You can download the lecture notes and we've got the homework listed there, but your job is to just plow through as many conclusion questions as you can. Anytime you make a mistake, you want to correct it, reanalyze it, look at the four steps that you were supposed to complete, and see whether or not maybe you stopped short, like you didn't finish step four or something like that.
1: Remember, take a deep breath, and if you feel the need to scream, do it somewhere private.
0: Yeah, because otherwise that might be perceived as cheating if you do it in the middle of a test, right? That's just talking.
1: Well, I was thinking (laughs) your neighbors might call the cops if you start screaming randomly in the middle of the library, your house, whatever.
0: You know, that is a great, uh, awkward transition into our final (laughs) little um, part of today's episode where Claudia is going to leave us with an anti-motivational, motivational thought of the day. So with that, take it away, Claudia.
1: Well, it's not necessarily a quote, but it is a cool new phrase that I found somewhere on the internet. It's from a Victorian dictionary. And it's called having a case of the morbs. You're feeling very morbid and depressed, and that's that's my new thing. That's my whole aesthetic from now on forever, Is having that... a case of the morbs. And, and how, how does that motivate us? You know, I'm not sure, but if you embrace the suck and just keep pushing through, you'll get there eventually, and you can, you can learn to compartmentalize, throw your morbs over your shoulder, just keep going. I love it. Push through it. Well, you heard it here first. If you've got a case of the morbs push through. Push through the suck. Exactly. Or embrace it, whichever way you feel like going.
0: Up to you. I don't judge. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been another episode of LSAT Boss. We'll be back with Claudia next time where we do some other really hard conclusions. Have a great day.